voice is not going to crack this time. Welcome to the Bucket Problem, Episode 2. I am Ace Ambender. I am joined once again by all three of my co-hosts, and we are brought to you once again by Homefield Apparel. I will just say right up front, use promo code BUCKETPROBLEM at homefieldapparel.com for 15% off your first order. It's been, we are recording this on Tuesday, July 6th uh, at around 7 o'clock. Hunter Dickinson and Devontae Jones have both uh, announced that they will be withdrawing from the NBA draft and returning or coming to, in the case of Jones, uh, the University of Michigan to play what should be some very, very good men's basketball next year. And Alex Cook is here to talk with me about that. Uh, We will get into that in just a moment. I also have Connor and Dan along with me uh, to do a player draft of uh, the Michigan football team. We'll get more into details of how that works later, and hopefully that didn't just scare off all of the listeners. First, Alex, big news today, Hunter Dickinson coming back, Devontae Jones joining the team instead of going pro. Michigan looks like they are the favorite in the Big Ten, and I would say one of the better Final Four bets. Obviously, when you deal with single elimination tournaments, it's hard to uh, make a real strong proclamation about how far a team will go, but uh, this at least looks like a potential national championship contender. Yeah, with Dickinson's return, I would say that Michigan shouldn't have much of a drop-off from last season. You know, obviously losing Franz Wagner and Isaiah Livers is going to, um, you know, impact the team. But Caleb Houston's coming in, Brandon Johns will have a bigger role. And yeah, I think the reasonable expectation is that Michigan will be a top five, top ten team uh, right in the thick of the Big Ten title chase. And yeah potentially a Final Four team, potentially a national title contender if everything shakes out the way that it could. And, yeah, Dickinson's going to be the biggest part of that. You don't usually get a second-team All-American to return in college basketball at this day and age. You know, you you have Luca Garza kind of, you know, proved that, you know, a, a back-to-the-basket post center can still thrive in today's game. And Michigan, under Jawan Howard, seems pretty likely to to continue feeding Dickinson the ball in the post, playing around him. And it'll be interesting to see how Jones and the talented freshman class kind of come in and mesh with the existing pieces. But I think, you know, Michigan's a pretty good bet to extend uh, the Big Ten title streak to two and, you know, potentially make it a little bit further in the NCAA tournament this time around. We are at this moment waiting on uh, Kofi Coburn, who has uh, announced his return uh, to college from the NBA draft, but has not said which college he will be coming back to. Yeah, that's really funny. I feel like Kentucky is recruiting him off of Illinois' roster, just like they recruited C.J. Frederick off of Iowa's roster. So got to give an old hat tip to our buddy John Calipari for that. Friend of Jawan. Uh, Michigan's actually going to be playing Kentucky this year as part of a loaded non-conference schedule. And yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the rest of the conference shakes out. you got to figure Purdue with Jaden Ivey, Travion Williams, Zach Eady, and, and a pretty talented roster is going to be right up there towards the top as well. Maryland has some interesting pieces coming in. Ohio State was getting a little bit of hype, but the wind is out of their sails a little bit with Dwayne Washington's decision to go pro. Michigan State, 
oof, I, don't, I don't know what to expect from the green and white this year, but uh, who knows? I feel like they do better when expectations are lower. <laughs> and yeah, you know, I, I, I just look at Michigan and I, I what I see is uh, a program that can really sustain the level that we saw last year, um, despite losing some key pieces. I think Dickinson is going to be one of the best players in college basketball. Seems like a, a pretty safe bet that he's going to be able to adjust to some of the stuff he saw in the latter half of last season once he became the main focus on the opponent's scouting report. You know, teams were kind of sitting on his right shoulder a little bit, so hopefully you'll see him develop more of an ambidextrous postgame. Uh, you know, based on the interviews that he gave when where he said, you know, that it was a, a legitimately tough decision to come back. Um, he also mentioned that he would be working on stretching the floor and potentially switching onto smaller players, which, you know, is something we saw a little bit of last year. But yeah, between Dickinson, uh, Musa Giabate, Brandon Johns, Caleb Houston, Jawan Howard loves some size in the front court and Michigan is really going to try to play bully ball with some of these other teams. One thing that is worth noting about Devontae Jones, who was the Sun Belt player of the year at Coastal Carolina, Devontae Jones received rave reviews as a defender at the G League Elite Camp as part of the NBA draft process and his ability at the point of attack to shut down opposing players will be key for this team, even if he's not, you know, a 19 points per game scorer like he was at a lower level. And I think it's a pretty good bet that Michigan will be a top 10 team on both ends of the floor like they were last year. Eli Brooks, um, we haven't mentioned him yet, really, but he really will stabilize that as well. He emerged, you know, kind of had that senior leap during the NCAA tournament, particularly his game against LSU. So you got to figure Michigan will have one of the better backcourts in the in the conference in addition to a stack front court. Yeah, I think uh, one of the notable things about these roster, I guess, confirmations is that the floor is raised as much as the ceiling here uh, for Michigan because there is a ton of depth. You have at least one guaranteed high-end player in Dickinson who's already proven to be an All-American level center Jones, like you said, he got really nice feedback from that G League Elite Camp, which is really pro- – and this is something that, you know, if Mike Smith had gone into that before his year at Michigan, I do not think they would have necessarily been raving about his defense, and Michigan was still able to put together a really good defensive team uh, with him as the starting point guard. And last year's team did not have Musa Giabate playing the four or the five a lot of the time and he should be a defensive floor and ceiling raiser himself I would say so it's just I think it's hard unless you always have to worry about you know if injuries come and strike or something like that but so long as there isn't the unforeseen factor coming in it's hard to see Michigan finishing too far below, I don't know, third or fourth. Like, it'd be really difficult to see them finishing outside the double buys for the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, I was going to say that their floor, to me, seems like a, a protected seed in the NCAA tournament, which is to say um, a one through four seed. Yeah, to your point, you know, Musa Giabate is the type of athlete that you don't really ever see in the Big Ten, and 
on any other team, they would he would be a really heralded player coming in with huge expectations. And right now, it's like, okay, you can just dominate backups on other teams and give us 20 minutes a game, split between the four and the five. And yeah, you know, as you look at Michigan's potential rotation, there are some question marks. Like, it'll be interesting to see who the first guard off the bench will be between Zeb Jackson, uh, Frankie Collins, and Kobe Bufkin, although those are all uh, formally highly touted recruits. Caleb Houston has some questions related to his, you know, lateral agility. I know uh, Matt D from Endless Motor and MGO blog has posted a little bit about that as Houston plays um, some FIBA basketball. But you also got to figure that Houston is, as an elite shooter, going to get probably five to eight wide open looks per game just as part of Michigan's offense. So you got to think he's going to be an all freshman player, you know, if he gets starter minutes for Michigan. And yeah, you know, you just look down the entire rotation and yeah, the vibes are great in Ann Arbor. It's, it's hard to believe that Jawan has risen the bar from where it was during the beeline era, but you know, you had the transition year with Xavier Simpson and John Teske kind of running the show. Livers was hurt for the second half of that year and Michigan would have been a six seed had the NCAA tournament not been canceled. Then last year during the COVID season, he brought in a, uh, you know, an interesting mix of talent between Smith and Dickinson uh, that weren't on the team the year previous and, you know, had a leap from there. And yeah, I think, you know, barring some, you know, hugely unforeseen circumstance, Michigan basketball is going to be really, really good again, which you just, you, you love to see that great vibes all around. That is true. Uh, on that note, thank you, Alex, for for joining us. We're gonna we're gonna let you go because we're about to delve into some uh, serious football talk, and I think Alex is better off uh, playing with his dog Stella and eating something instead of listening to us go through the roster. Uh, at least uh, forty four players or so. Well, you guys can rest assured that I will listen to it at some point. I just got back from a Meyer run before I recorded this, but yeah, it's, you know, I, I, it'll be interesting to see what Michigan football looks like this year. I know Dan and Connor are going to go into great detail about the roster, but coming in with low expectations, uh, you know, might not be the worst thing for this team. You know, that's, that, that's an approach that, that has worked in years past and, and might be the way to go, uh, go this year as well. But that is not the case for the basketball team. And we are extremely excited for that. Uh, so thanks again, Alex. And now uh, it's time to bring in Connor and Dan for, I guess, our first annual uh, fantasy Michigan football uh, preseason draft. Uh, we clearly did not name this ahead of time. Um, <laughs> yeah, the rules uh, are very simple because there are not many at all. This was intentional. It is going to be a snake draft. Uh, there are no positional requirements. Teams will simply be judged by their ability to line up and beat the other team that is drafted during this exercise. Are we going to see something resembling the A11? I do not know. <laughs> I have not seen anything about this. We have not even determined uh, <laughs> who has the number one pick, in fact. Does anyone have a quarter? We can just flip one now. Uh, Ace, you'll, that's, uh, well, okay, yeah. Well, I don't know if I trust uh, Connor. Yeah, you shouldn't trust me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Ace, you, you flip the coin, or just or just decide. It doesn't matter. 
I, I am going to pretend I am flipping a coin right now because I do not have one, but I do have a hat that I'm going to flip. And it is a hat that I had in the freezer earlier and is now very damp because it feels like it's about 100 degrees in here. <laughs> and congratulations, Connor. You have the first pick Woo-hoo! and then the snakes are out to Dan. <laughs> I wonder where Connor's going to go with this. <laughs> am I officially on the clock? You are officially on the clock because we have no rules, so we're just rolling with this. <laughs> All right. Well, because I have to swing for the fences and go for upside guys that uh, no one else would expect to pop this year, but that I believe in, <laughs> I'm going to go with a little known, uh, you know, nearly walk on one of those like walk on legacy guys that uh, you're hearing the name a little bit recently. I'm going to go with Aiden Hutchinson. Ah, uh, yes, yes. You know, a, a feel good story and. <laughs> It's so brave of you, Connor. It, it's it's really <laughs> lovely to start the draft that way. I think he deserves a chance. You know, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> yes, yes. I will. So, in the interest of keeping this moving, you know, as much as we all love cracking our jokes with each other, I am going to uh, I'm going to make t- two picks as it is a snake draft format, and I'm going to pick not necessarily the best uh, two players left on the team. Um, I'm going to pick the position with. I believe has the most catastrophic drop-off after the first two players. So with the second and third pick of the draft, I'm going to take Josh Ross and Michael Barrett. Interesting. That was not the direction I thought you were going with those picks after that prelude. Although, after looking at the depth chart, I can see it. Quickly going to note the nominal positional designations of these players so far, just so people can follow along a little bit easier. Aiden Hutchinson, formerly a defensive end. We are just going to call him an edge player right now because in Mike McDonald's Baltimore Ravens 3-4 defense, Hutchinson hopefully is going to be able to slot in as a stand-up pass rusher because if he doesn't, that means really bad things for the (laughs) three-down linemen. (laughs) Dan has drafted the two players projected to start at inside linebacker. The two linebackers on this team who have, like, played a snap of college football. Yes. And by the way, just just to make this clear, we do not have to go with Michigan's scheme on offense or defense. There's no rules here, because I think if we had to draft three down interior linemen each, we would be getting to Jess Spate a lot more quickly. Right. Ideal. Yeah. <laughs> Phil Paella, Phil come back, please. Yeah. <laughs> it might get tough. All right, it is snaking back to you, Connor. Okay, I'm actually going to do the same thing. I thought this is what you were going to do. But, like, here's the sad reality. Um, same thing you do with linebackers. I'm going to pick the two absolutely indispensable defensive backs on this football team. I'm going to take Dax Hill and Jamon Green because Dax Hill is potentially Michigan's best player. He's definitely by far, you know, one of the, he's one of their best defensive backs, probably the best. Jamon Green is the only cornerback on this entire <laughs> team. So those are my guys. So, you know, I think there's a little bit of give and take here because we've pretty much got to, you know, we're going to force each other to take uh, certain positions. So I am going to, I'm going to draft, gosh, I, I really, I can't believe I'm about to do this as, as much as we've talked about him on the, this offseason, but I think I'm going to have to draft Vincent Gray to ensure that I at least get one of the playable <laughs> cornerbacks on this roster. You know, this is a lot more interesting than just ranking the players, because this is, like, how you would strategize. Like, we have so far drafted, like, one or two of the actual good players on this team. (laughs) But, uh, anyway, um, I'm going to draft Vincent Gray, 
And then I'm going to go uh, with who I think is one of the more valuable players on the roster because of his positional versatility. I'm going to draft Andrew Stuber, who uh, I believe is one of the only sure bets to start on the offensive line and also can play pretty much any position on the offensive line. So I think that makes him a very valuable pick. Interesting strategy there. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I like that reasoning. Um, Stuber is a solid player. I think I'm going to have to draft Vincent Gray might be the pull quote for this podcast. <laughs> I, I feel for that kid. We pick on him a lot, but I mean, there's a reason for it. Sadly, that reason to be fair, he had, he had a, he, he got better at towards the end of the year. He was totally passable by like the Rutgers game. <laughs> so I don't know. Fair enough. Uh, and I'm probably underselling him a little bit, but it gets interesting for me because like, yeah, the reasoning is we haven't gone with best player on the board really yet. I'm going to start using that reasoning. So I'm going to go with Blake Corum, who's a guy that I think is, you know, it, I know it's early to take a running back, but Michigan's running back room is its best room. I think not really much of a question. So I'll go with him. And another guy who's a potential breakout offensive star. This is kind of a weird pick, but uh, swing for the fences. I'm going to go with Dalen Baldwin, actually. Yep. I like, I like both those. I think Dalen Baldwin's got a lot of potential to be uh, an impact receiver on this team. Um, so for the next pick here, I'm going to start going back to one of the more, uh, probably one of the more indispensable um, players if, if Michigan's going to be good at all. I'm going to draft uh, Mozzie Sm- I'm going to draft, ooh, gosh, I almost said it, but I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm thinking about this a little bit, but it got three quarters of the way out. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're right. I'm sorry. I'm going to draft Mozzie. Smith. I got, I'm going to draft Mozzie Smith. Um, reason being is that I think he's one of two players that can plausibly play nose tackle, um, on this team. And no matter what defensive scheme I end up going with, you need a nose tackle. Um, I like him as a bet better than I like Jordan Whitley. So not a lot of proven here, but you know, big time recruit. And I think kind of has to be good if Michigan's defense is going to um, be good at all this year. And then uh, I'm going to draft another uh, extremely versatile and I think underrated receiver. I'm going to draft Ronnie Bell, who uh, I think, quite frankly, can. I think he's valuable because he can play outside and inside, and he's the most reliable weapon Michigan has on offense this year. The, the analytics guys are a little shocked at Connor's last turn. I'm going I'm to be honest. We'll, uh, we'll see how this one goes. <laughs> The analytic guys are shocked that I went Baldwin and Corum, or uh... yeah, the, the the early running back followed by the the up transfer uh, receiver. It's uh, it, it, it's a hill to climb. Hey, I don't know that there's any other um, receiver on this Michigan roster who had like seri- Ohio State pursuit as serious as Dale Baldwin, and I'm sad to say that's a big deal for a receiver. <laughs> that so. is a very fair point. Okay, so yeah, I like I like Dan's reasoning. I mean, I just think Corum. I'm, I'm skip back a little bit. I think Corum is awesome, and I could be eating those words, but I think I'm sticking with that pick too. Let's see here. Uh, I probably need some offensive linemen at some point. I said I wasn't going to draft <laughs> any, but I think that's probably not advisable. Um, so this is a tough one because I said yeah, Stuber is like the most solid pick for a starter. He's already off the board. I think we think Ryan Hayes is going to start, right? Like he's still the starting left tackle, isn't he? As far as we know, I mean, yeah, I think he's he's probably the only other sure bet. I'm going to go with Hayes because, like, starting left tackle, that's an important position on a football team. Yeah, this gets interesting. You're going to take one of the nose tackles. Um, I'm going to go with the guy who's who's most likely 
to be Michigan's most reliable defensive lineman, which is a really worrisome and weak position group. I'm going to take uh, Chris Hinton. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I think that's someone that's got to go off the board at a certain point. I'm going to take, I'm going to have to move over here to take an edge rusher, which is probably the most uh, important position on defense nowadays. Now that I've got, you know, I mean, I've got my lockdown corner in Vincent Gray, so that's taken care of. I'm not worried about that. <laughs> Taking half the field off the board there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. You know, it's at this point, why even have a pass rush? But uh, I am going to take a bit of an upside pick here. I'm going to take David Ojabo, who mm. I believe is is going, again, kind of a situation where going to have to be a good pass rusher if Michigan's going to have a good pass rush this season. You know, I was, I was between him and Taylor Upshaw, but... I think David Ojabo's got more pass rush upside. I think, you know, he's a freak athlete. Um, and then for my second pick, I'm, I'm going to move probably back over to offensive line. I am going to draft uh, Trevor Keegan, who uh, I believe, you know, is, is probably one of the more, the more promising um, young offensive line prospects. Seems like, you know, he's had a really good game in the Penn State game. Um, so, yeah, those are, those are my two picks. You know, I'm really excited to go Jabo because he's someone that I really hope to see pop this year. But I'm glad we agree on that because I actually think that he's one of those guys that it's easy to kind of hand wave away as like, all right, we've heard about his potential for a couple of years now. He hasn't done anything. But like he's, by all accounts, a freak athlete. And all he's going to have to do probably for this team is just run at the quarterback. So like he might, it might work. Um, all right. So what's left on the board here? I'm going to take one more offensive lineman. I think a guy that... The staff is clearly crazy about and will be playing a really important role in the offensive line, whether it's a guard or potentially center, is uh, Zach Zinter. So I'm going to take him. And then now I'm going to get unorthodox here. And if we're taking high upside picks, like guys who are pivotal and need to be good if Michigan's going to be good, I went through the rosters yesterday and like it or not, guys, Julius Welshoff is a pivotal player for this team because... If as a 3-4 defensive end, he's getting after the quarterback, he's being disruptive, and that position turns out to suit him better than whatever Don Brown like used interior lineman as, that could be huge for this team. And it's not outside the realm of possibility because he's also an athletic freak. So those are my guys. Um, yeah, I mean, he had, a, he had a quietly good year. I think he, he was a really effective pass rusher. If he can just stout up against the run a little bit, uh, I think you know that'll be a good pick. I'm going to take another guy who... You know, kind of, I don't think he's really going to be a star, but was was solid last year and I think is going to be, again, you know, just one of those key pieces if Michigan's going to be any good on defense. I'm going to take Donovan Jeter, um, who I think, you know, underratedly last year had a really nice, uh, really nice year. And then for my second pick here, I think, you know, I'm kind of going through here. I've got one edge. I've got a cornerback. Whew, my goodness. This is, this is, this, this is where it starts to, like, feel a little bit bleak, <laughs> quite frankly. Um... <laughs> Just now, <laughs> look, we're optimists, uh, but 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 even we even we can only go for so long. I think that I'm gonna have to take another defensive back of some kind, uh, and I weirdly, oh man, this this is gonna be a, this is gonna be a weird pick here. I think I'm gonna take Makari Page, hmm. and my my reasoning here is that I know Brad Hawkins is still on the board, and that's it might this might be a little bit disrespectful of me to take him to not take Brad Hawkins. But I think that Makari Page got on the field last year when he didn't really have to, which means the coaches like him a lot. Uh, I think he's he's a better athlete than Hawkins. He can probably play man coverage and be a nickelback more than Hawkins. So and and on you know 
on this defense, since we're dividing up a roster that already doesn't have like five good defensive backs, I'm gonna need some versatility out of my defensive backs. So he's gonna he's gonna have to be a little bit of a jack of all trades for me. Uh, and that's a reasonable pick. Like you need a safety at some point. The coaches like him a lot. He's reunited with his high school coach now. Is also his position coach, Ron Bellamy. That's gotta help. You have to think. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't I don't see that as bad at all. Let's see here. I see. I think so. One of my theses here is that I think that Michigan's two best position rooms this year are receiver and running back. I already took a running back and I took a receiver, and Ace made fun of me. But I think that there's just really good. I said the talent. analytics guys would make fun of you. <laughs> just to be clear, fair. fair, fair. I think the vibes of the corn pick are solid, though. Let's let's be let's be real with ourselves. Here. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I love his game. Yeah, he's the best player I had on my board at that point. I'm gonna take a guy that like. Had an excellent season last year, looked great, and got totally buried by how abject Michigan was as a whole, which is Cornelius Johnson. This dude puts up numbers. Like, and one of the funniest things about Michigan fans is a bunch of people are like, well, he's just like catching the ball when he's wide open 40 yards down the middle. I'm like, yeah, that's what Ohio State and Alabama's receivers do, guys. <laughs> it's cool when that happens. That means yeah. it works. <laughs> so uh, I like him a lot as a player. Um, who else? This is you're right. It is getting bleak. Uh, I guess I did start filling out my offensive line. We're both going to need like probably five offensive linemen. It's, it's going to be interesting to see if either of us picks a single tight end. By the way, because like that's such a terrible position. Not until I have right to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I might be flexing uh, Dylan Baldwin to tight end, but uh, <laughs> I think so. I, I'm going to go with Carson Barnhart, the pride of Paw Paw, Michigan. Even if he doesn't, like, he's a guy where, like, even if he doesn't start, he will be Michigan's probably sixth lineman. He'll, he'll be in the mix somehow. The coaches like him a lot, and he's a, he's a beastly kid. Okay. So I am going to, gosh, yeah. I think, I think you've kind of forced my hand into taking at least one offensive lineman here. And I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Andrew Vistardis, who, you know, I think had a little bit of a rough year last year, but generally, you know, a little bit of physically, physically underwhelming, but is it's going to be a six-year guy. He's going to know where to go. He'll he'll play center for me and he'll 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 captain the offensive line pretty well. And then and then moving down the board here, I am going to you've quietly locked up outside receiver uh, in a certain way. I'm not sure why I said in a certain way. You've you've locked up the only outside receiver <laughs> on this entire team. <laughs> um, so I I think I'm going to have to pick a receiver here, and I think I'm going to go with. Not necessarily an outside receiver. I'm going to go with a little bit of the upside pick here. I'm, I'm going to take AJ Henning, who Good I pick. think is uh, I think is just he's he's going to be a bit of he's he's going to be a stud. I think he he flashed a lot last year, and I think would have flashed even more if if Giles Jackson wasn't on the team. And lucky for him, Giles Jackson is no longer on the team. Unlucky for the rest of us Michigan fans. <laughs> But yeah, no, I you know he's I, I think he's incredibly fast. He showed some downfield chops, so I'm not he's not a total nothing on, in the downfield receiving game, um, and he can also you know I can, I can use him a lot of different ways in, in terms of you know sweeps and uh, being a little bit of a utility player. So that's where I'm going. Also, he can probably play quarterback. But can AJ Hennig <laughs> extend a play like Giles Jackson can? That's really my question. <laughs> that's the question. I mean, I, my thing with Henning, I was going to pick him. I considered picking him earlier, but like. I don't recall last time I saw a Michigan player accelerate like that. Like, there are very few guys in college football who get up to top speed as quickly as that kid. And he's shown good hands in route running. So, like, another guy where if things go the way they could go with him in a positive direction, that could be a huge for Michigan season. Once again, things seem to never go the way we want with Michigan skill players on offense. So, 
I don't know, but that's a, that's a, that's a good. I like that a lot. I also noticed we're both avoiding quarterback, which is actually we've gotten. We're now like deep into this draft, and no one's picked a quarterback, which is hilarious. I need to take Whitley, I think, because I you got the other two guys who can maybe plausibly in any universe play nose. You have Mozzie and Donovan Jeter, so Whitley's got to be one of my picks. And that, yeah. that says it all, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it's pretty grim. I mean, I'm, I'm actually I'm fairly happy with my defensive line right now. I think I have it's like I have three of the five. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I again just so bleak. <laughs> <laughs> it is pretty bleak. Gosh, yeah. All right, this is this has gotten grim fast. I can either take hmm. I I think I might try to actually box you out of. Running back, box you into only one option at running back. And I'm going to take Donovan Edwards because, like, again, that's a kid where, like, he'll, he'll be a true freshman in a loaded running back's room. You know he's going to see the ball, and he's going to be catching passes out of the backfield. And if things go well with him, et cetera, et cetera. So. Wow. That's that, – see, all right, so now just because, like, I know I could technically wait on Haskins now that you've taken two running backs – but that is some real disrespect, and I, I, I can't let that stand for Hassan <laughs> Haskins, who, I mean, I truly do just love, like, his, even if I, I think he's probably the, the third most talented rece- uh, running back in this room, he, he is just such a great guy to watch. You can tell he, like, plays with a lot of love for the game. So I'm, I'm going to draft Haskins as my running back, who I, I do think will be the starter. So, I mean, you know, Connor took two running backs, not neither of whom are going to be the starter. <laughs> and I'm going to take tough. the only... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> so, who's to say? Um, and I'm going to take uh, the another edge because uh, I, I I obviously need two, and uh, I think there's only a couple more playable, or maybe not even <laughs> left on the board. I'm going to say Taylor Upshaw, who uh, you know the coaches really seem to like. They seem to think he's kind of a Chris Wormley type, and and he he played pretty well last year. So um, you know I think David Ojaba, Taylor Upshaw, you you could. You could theoretically do worse at edge than that. Speaking of teams that might have a difficult time competing, the Big Ten West has been of great focus, I would say, of our dear sponsor, Homefield Apparel, who this week just dropped their big new Saturday Wisconsin collection, which is devastatingly fabulous, I would say, in terms of making me want to purchase wisconsin basketball shirts or a shirt commemorating a wisconsin hockey national championship victory over michigan in 1941 it's it's not nice that they do this and they are preparing to unleash michigan's little brown jug rivals upon us and so i ask you connor while you are torturing us with these rival schools that well, one of them beats Michigan regularly these days. Minnesota, what's up with you? But as we said in the last podcast, one of the one of the benefits of partnering with Homefield is the license to harass Connor into creating new apparel. And that is why this week the bucket problem is advocating for putting the little brown jug on the joggers, aka little brown juggers. Do it, make money. That is a free idea from your friends at the Bucket Problem. You can't get little brown juggers yet, but you can't get a lot of Wisconsin gear. You can soon get a lot of Minnesota gear. You can get a lot of Michigan gear. You can get Slippery Rock gear and dozens of other schools. 
More coming every week with the big new Saturday drops. And if it's your first time shopping at homefieldapparel.com, use the promo code BUCKETPROBLEM, all one word, for 15% off. I think that's an ad read. Let's, uh, let's keep rolling with this draft. We're going to see if it gets any better from here, fellas. Uh, yeah, that's, that's how it goes at the end of these things, right? You've just been holding off strategically on all the good guys. Who do you think is going to be Mr. Irrelevant in this, uh, in this Michigan roster draft? I, I think it's going to be Eric All. <laughs> that was also going to be my guess. Oh. I feel bad oh, for that. So I, can, I, can I say something? So real quick, the guys over at Mason Brew, um, I, I, we probably shouldn't plug other outlets, but oh. I will because they did a, they were, they've been doing a stream um, where they use the updated NCAA 14 uh, rosters that are done by, like, you know, some guy that, that like, I don't know, God God bless whoever is putting those Still rosters Still at together. it at Operation right. Sports. Seriously. Shout out to those guys. I mean, honestly, <laughs> they had Eric All, and Eric All has, like, 52 catching in that game, <laughs> and it was, like, comical, just like, which, I mean, you know, fair, like, horrible hands this year but like he was just dropping everything and like you almost felt bad like it really did feel like they were just like kind of dumped like you know they, they were being a little bit mean um but yeah a rough rough go of it last year for our boy all they're working from a relatively small sample so we can have yeah. optimism that his uh you know his hands looked great on his high school film so <laughs> yeah. uh, and we're just haters and losers and he should print this transcript out and put it up on his dorm room wall and prove us wrong man we'd, we'd love nothing more <laughs> <laughs> yes, one of the one of the tenets of this podcast is that we would love to be owned by Michigan football. <laughs> yeah, God, that would <laughs> please, please own me, guys. Um, I think it's my pick, right? Because you just you just went, Dan. Um, yep. Yeah. Okay, so I I will admit I've made some weird early picks. I need to start thinking about what a team actually needs, and I I really think we've been disrespectful to Cade Backnamara because. As much as we don't think he's the savior of Michigan football, as much as we don't think he's going to start in the NFL ever, <laughs> he is a starting quarterback on this team. He had a lot of great moments last year. I know it was against Rutgers, but he played some of the most heroic football we've seen from a Michigan quarterback in the hardwire, I would say, in that game. And I actually think he's like probably fine. Again, we, we can't even say that a Michigan quarterback will be fine because we feel like the position is so cursed at this point. But like, I, I'm taking him. you got to have a quarterback, and he's like, 85% certain to be the starter day one. So, And with your second pick, I know, I know you were really oh, yeah. excited to grab a quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> I was, yeah. I'm taking McCain back in twice because of the disrespect. <laughs> uh, okay, so what are my what are my like real deficiencies? Got my running back room locked up. Um, my defensive <laughs> backs are okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, we need, like, we do each need, like, two cornerbacks, and there is a third cornerback on this team who's, like, kind of played okay football and that's dj turner the second and i will wish dan the best of luck picking beyond him in that position <laughs> so i'm taking him oh. no i mean i already said aj henning's gonna play corner for, i i think genuinely that would be a better idea okay so i i ha at this point i do have to take a a cornerback or else i i really risk getting locked out entirely and i think i'm gonna go with i'm, I'm gonna go with andre selden I don't... Jalen Perry seemed to be the fourth... Jalen Perry's the other realistic option here. And he seemed to be fourth on the pecking order. Oh, yeah, dude. He seemed to be fourth on the pecking order of a terrible room last year. And Andre Seldon got in a little bit. He's very short, but at least I know he's fast. Um, and at the very... You know, I'm, I'm willing to sacrifice some jump balls 
um, even though Connor does actually have decent, you know, size of receiver. So, you know, we're just going to have to make it work here with, with Andre Selden. My, my, I got to say, my secondary is looking rough. And as a result there, <laughs> I, I think I'm going to have to double up on secondary and take Brad Hawkins because I need at least one player that I know is going to, um, you know, do his, do his job relatively consistently. Um, so that, that's, that's a starting four cor- <laughs> uh, secondary of Vincent Gray, Andre Selden, Brad Hawkins, and Makari Page. I feel oh. decent about I f- yeah I feel decent about those safeties, um, but uh, I mean overall all three of them. <laughs> yeah, all three of them. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, that's oof. you know what Connor, just go ahead. I I don't need to, I don't even I can't even try to sell that. <laughs> that's rough. I mean, like I just have to say, like it, maybe I, I'm not being a homer by overhyping Baldwin and Johnson by saying they could like both put up 300 yards against those corners, <laughs> but uh, anyway. Moving on, I I think it's time to bolster my offensive line. The other guy that's been in the mix and will probably see some playing time and that the coaches like is Trente Jones, who was another like much ballyhooed recruit. You know, probably a tackle. I guess I'm gonna make him my right tackle, so I'll get that. And I'm in a similar position. Like I have zero linebackers. I'm 16 players deep. No one at linebacker. I'd like to have as few linebackers as possible since the situation is so grim in that room. I don't know, man. I think I have to take Junior Colson because he's definitely the most talented guy in that linebacker's room, even though, like, it doesn't matter if he doesn't know what he's doing. I'll run whatever scheme requires the linebacker to do, like, the least intellectually and just, like, use his athleticism, I guess. So, yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's where I would have gone, too. In fact, I was genuinely, like, as I was staring down that, the rest, because I probably need a fifth defensive back, and I'm staring down the rest of this roster, I'm like, I don't know. Junior Colson's pretty athletic. Like he's probably, fa- <laughs> like he's probably faster than a lot of these guys left at that defensive back. <laughs> We're feeling great about this. I was gonna do. I was gonna do it. Uh, so I'm gonna take the last uh, of of what I consider to be like the top tier offensive lineman, or like I don't know, second tier offensive lineman. I'm gonna take uh, Chuck Filiaga, who um, did had a, struggled last year, but did start. And I think, you know, I think he's a better option than the rest of the guys left on the board here. And then moving on from there, I, I feel like I do need a little, I need at least one, you know, outside receiver here. Um, I'm going to take, whew, I'm going to take uh, Roman Wilson, um, who I think also, you know, did some good things last year, is very, very fast, played outside. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit deficient in terms of size at receiver, but I've got some really, really good speed, um, which I think is going to be a problem for uh, for Connor's defense. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I actually think my defense is quite fast. I think they're, <laughs> they have one linebacker. <laughs> that might be their biggest problem. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, speaking of defense, I guess if I'm going to try to use Mike McDonald's system, which you can get away with one linebacker, I guess, at least at times, what he does. I need mean, a second edge guy, which the, the cupboard is pretty bare there, but... I'm going to take Jalen Harrell, who, um, you know, was is reputed to be, like, you know, at least a decent pass rusher uh, out of Florida. This is, I just feel so inspired saying all of this, but I'm going to take him. <laughs> um, I mean, he's going to play this year, so we'll get to see what we have there. Let's see. For the 19th pick, yikes. I guess I might as well complete my, I mean, hmm, is there anything I want to do besides just complete my offensive line? Let's see. I guess I'm in another safety. And the staff, a guy that I think will play this year, 
The staff apparently loves RJ Moten. He apparently had a great spring, so I'll pick him. Yeah, you're now you're now guaranteeing that somebody in my back seven is going to be an absolute liability. Um, <laughs> I I probably should have taken RJ Moten, quite frankly. So uh, now moving on here, I guess guess for me, oof, I am going to complete my offensive line by taking Nolan Rumler, who we've heard some good things about, but you know probably isn't going to start this year. But I think he'd probably be a pretty serviceable interior offensive lineman. Um, you know, a, a, and I'm, I'm going to want to run the ball a lot, considering how you know how rough uh, Connor's uh, defensive front's going to be. And then uh, moving on from that, oh gosh, <laughs> uh, I might. Man, this I know we've been saying I, this is going to get t- you're going to get tired of hearing that this looks rough, but <laughs> it does. <laughs> um, I am going to take. Oh my goodness! I'm sorry. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to. You don't have a quarterback yet, do you? Yeah, but I don't have to. But you're not going to take a second one. Uh, maybe I will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to take Jordan Morant. High. Uh, at least a high recruit there. Probably a guy that'll be at least athletic in that secondary. Look, I would say that if we're getting to this point in the draft on any roster, it's going to be tough to find uh, playable secondary players, but I do need one, so um, I'm going to take uh, Jordan Moran. It, it is fair to note that at most schools, it is difficult to get through an entire preseason too deep without a, a fair number of question marks. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's this is. I mean, at this point, yeah, we are we are scraping the bottom of the barrel a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, we're going through. Yeah, a complete too deep for this whole program. Yeah, three more picks left. Uh, <laughs> I guess what are what my needs here? I think I need one more offensive lineman. <laughs> the only defensive lineman left on the board is just Spate, <laughs> uh, <laughs> who <laughs> might might come in handy this year, if handy's the right word. Gosh, there's a lot going on here, to say the least. Oh my god. You know what, Dan? Screw you, man. I'm going to take, uh, <laughs> I'm taking JJ McCarthy and Alan. <laughs> no, no, we can't do that. That's against the rules. Are, are they playing linebacker? Yeah, Maybe. exactly. Well, you're going to have to explain how they line up after this. So, you okay, know what? Well, you're going to have to explain how Dan Velario is your quarterback, dude. Like, <laughs> that, that's oh. pretty explicable. Dan Velario plays quarterback. Yeah, Dan Velario will play quarterback. I'm running. Oh, man, that is rough. I'm, I'm, you you called my bluff. I'm like I, I I did the thing. You did the thing. I thought you weren't gonna do. Yeah. So I mean I will to 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 avoid having a, a literal walk on. Um. I will. Uh. I will draft. Uh. I'll draft Dan Valari. Um. I'm gonna have to write him into the board because I literally did not have his name written down. <laughs> proud Italian Long Islander Dan Valari. Shout out to my mom who's listening to this. Who's proud. Also proud Long Islander. And then as my second pick here, is this the last pick of the draft? Are we at 44? I was hoping you guys were counting. I have one more pick, I think, by my math. Okay. That would make sense because I would, I would think you're the last pick, right? So, yes. Um, sorry. This is your last <laughs> pick. Yeah. Um, so, I, I'm going to take Eric Hall. And I think, you know, all jokes aside, we were a little bit rough on him. You know, look, the hands are an issue for sure. Um, but... I do think it's important to have a tight end, and he blocks pretty well. 
and I think he still has that potential. Um, I don't. I, I I hope that you know those were just the yips. And if he can get back to catching footballs this year, he could also be pretty reliable as a downfield target for me. So I think that I, I'm happy with getting uh, Eric All with my you know last potential pick here. Okay. I think I already lost this by taking two quarterbacks, but it was worth it just to just to make Dante Damalari <laughs> in the two deep draft. Yeah, what is my most pressing need? I mean, I'm probably have one of these defensive linemen play two ways to complete my offensive line. Gosh, that's a really tough one. Like, what do I do? finish my offensive line? I guess. Um, hmm. Do do do. I mean, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah, I'll take. Uh, I will take... Sorry, this is taking so long. I'm just like, what? what is the terrible choice I'm going to make? I guess I'll actually take Reese Atterbury and do a real offensive line so I can like kind of pretend that I'm actually playing real football here. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that... <laughs> Reese Atterbury is Mr. Irrelevant in this draft, although uh, when you go through a two deep, there's a lot of players left out, especially when four quarterbacks are drafted. Uh <laughs> So the way we're going to do this is uh, you guys are going to pitch me, which, especially in the case of Connor, is going to involve a a fair amount of explanation about how these teams are going to align and what the general approach of the the offense and defense would be. We are ignoring special teams for the moment because uh, that complicates things. So... Connor, you had the first pick. You have the most explaining to do now. So. <laughs> you have let's, some explaining to do. Let's start with you, because I thought you had this in hand. You thought I had it in hand, really? I just assumed I was going to lose, no matter what. But um, I was trying. But uh, let's see. Um, I mean, <laughs> well, like, obviously, I picked two running backs. Like, there's going to be a lot of creativity coming out of the backfield of this offense. I have three quarterbacks so there's gonna have to be a lot of like the hor- horrific gadget packages that, that uh michigan fans hate to see my more serious answer would be like this team like especially like versus dan's team my team can actually put the ball down the field with accuracy and has two like down the field traditional deep receivers and dalen baldwin and uh cornelius johnson so you have a lot of that, then you have two great running backs, and a complete offensive line, I might add. I got five of them in. I just think the offense like makes a lot of sense on paper. I think the defense is just very short-handed <laughs> and is going to like the the problem here is like so if you look at my defense, I'm not at all if we're doing like a three four thing, uh I'm not at all ashamed of my three down linemen, which are Hinton, Welshoff, and Whitley. That's like actually fine. That's three of the five that Michigan has. And then I have Hutch, who might be the best player in all of Michigan. That's my your main edge guy. My defensive backfield of Daxton Hill, Jamon Green, RJ Moten, DJ Turner the second, I will maintain is stronger than Dan's, even though it's a little bit shorthanded. Like at least there's more there's more talent there. I could really have used one more guy. Probably should take a Jaden McBurrows or something somewhere in there. But like those are all <laughs> fine. The problem is I don't really have linebackers. I have Junior Colson and then like Alan Bowman at linebacker. <laughs> <laughs> Who who would make the better linebacker? Who's like who are you putting out? Is it JJ or Alan Bowman that is going to be your? Uh, or I mean, K, K, I feel like the best linebacker of your quarterback group is Cade. I was going to say oh, that. No. Actually. My joke was going to be like maybe it might be McCarthy under center, and then Cade McNamara is incredibly tough minded. If you told him to play linebacker, he would do his his darndest. <laughs> 
And I don't know that he's much like he's not slower than like some of the walk-ons we've seen Don Brown throw out there. So, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, hooray. I mean, hooray! <laughs> actually, I, I will say this though: I think my offense actually makes a lot of sense. I, I don't think there's a lot to indict there. It's just overloaded. I don't have any linebackers. Is the real problem with my team? Yeah, for, for the sake of the argument, let's just I will I will be charitable and I'll say that um, Connor gets walk-on linebackers just just so that uh, just so that it makes it so that there, at least there's. No, because seriously, I, I like let just so it makes it so that there's an actual for for the sake of the exercise. That's, yes, absolutely. Yeah. So Connor Connor gets walk on linebackers. <laughs> <laughs> Son of Michigan players past, yeah, yeah. Curtis Blakely the third, or like some you know some like donors kid is usually who's out there. Um, Eighth year senior Adam Shibley. <laughs> yeah, yes. uh, that's Shibley, sir. So I would say you know I mean I think I think I've got a pretty the only real thing I have to explain here. I'm gonna have a very run-heavy offense, um, most uh, a because Connor has no linebacker or walk-on linebackers, and b because I have Dan Valari at quarterback. As much as I I appreciate Italian excellence, I don't uh, I don't know if I totally believe in him throwing the ball. But uh, Dan Valari and Hassan Haskins with uh, the Stardis, Rumler, Filiaga, Stuber, and uh, Trevor Keegan. That's a lot of beef. That's gonna be a really hard running offense to stop, um, especially given you know how weak uh, our Michigan's defensive, uh, interior defensive line is in general. So I'm, I'm going to run for, I think, like eight yards per carry easily just by using, uh, I'm going to I'm gonna use zone reads, I'm going to use Eric All as a blocker, I'm going to have the full array of, uh, of um, you know, op- modern option football, along with, you know, A.J. Henning coming into the backfield and getting uh, a handful of sweeps, which are going to punish uh, Connor when he gets too aggressive. And you know, starts flinging his uh, his walk on linebackers like fresh meat into the into the fire of my offensive line. And then, and then, as far as you know, outside receiver goes, Ronnie Bell and and Roman Wilson are at least fast and are going to keep uh, Connor honest. And I'll probably just run the uh, the Michigan State playbook, which is you know, I'm, I'm going to have a very effective running game. And then, well, Michigan State didn't have an effective running game; they just threw <laughs> the ball. They sort of they didn't they they sort of skip the part where you establish the run but if connor starts to uh cheat up i'm gonna just throw you know deep post routes and then running running fast is easy and and ronnie bell's a reliable target that can also go over the middle so you know i feel pretty good about how my offense matches up and as far as defense goes um i at least have reasonable beef i'm gonna be running a four a four two five um a pure like nickel defense is my base mozzie smith at nose donovan jeter at the three tech David Ojabo is going to be my rush end, and uh, Taylor Upshaw is going to be my uh, strong end. So I, I feel decent about that front. Um, and then I actually do – my linebackers aren't what I would call good, but they are linebackers. Extant is <laughs> yeah, they are start. Extant. Josh Ross and, and Michael Barrett are probably going to be okay. Um, you know, just really have to hurt, hope they don't get hurt this year. Um, Vincent Gray will play uh, field corner – or, yeah – Bound boundary corner, bound, probably boundary corner. I don't know. He'll play. He'll play probably uh, an outside corner, and I will play him off the ball a lot and allow for underneath routes. And Makari Page will be my nickelback slash you know uh, rolled up safety. Andre Seldon um, is gonna he's gonna play press man, and we're just gonna live with <laughs> Jeff Balls. Um, Brad Hawkins will be kind of like my box safety that'll come down. 
um, and, and be the third linebacker when we need one. And then uh, Jordan Morant, who I think is the biggest stretch that I took, is going to uh, play. I'm just going to have him play deep center field safety and, you know, kind of hope that uh, that doesn't that doesn't burn me too bad. Um, so, you know, I think I think my team is more complete than Connor's. And uh, I think we're going to we're going to play a brutal sort of, um, you know, Urban Meyer-esque uh, like spread uh, spread running game that'll uh, eventually wind down the clock and and beat let Connor me, pretty handily. Let me let me actually uh, – that was a very detailed case, so I'm going to give a little bit of a rebuttal there and just say, like, we're all making fun of me for, like, screwing up the balance of my roster, which is valid. But I have the only two Michigan players that have proven they can actually cover somebody, that being Jackson Hill and Javon Green. And I'm not really exaggerating but by that, like, consistently have covered Power 5 receivers. And because my offense is not the problem on my roster – like, there's a very good – you could make a very strong case that my offense, especially with Corum and Edwards, being able to be very strong pass catchers and route runners out of the backfield, I, I really think it's valid to question, like, how Dan's going to stop me from scoring pretty much every time. Because, like, his secondary is a problem and not in the good way. That's the title of this <laughs> podcast. And I, I would say my secondary is a bucket in that it uh, produces a lot of scoring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so here's the thing, like, I know it's tempting to just say, like, Dan drafted a balanced roster, therefore he wins. I do think that, like, at least as far as my offense is concerned, there's some high-octane scoring potential against what Dan is fielding because he does not have, like, he can mess around with the way he deploys his defensive backs, but, like, I have the only two guys that we know, like, can cover one-on-one, like, above average or even average power five receivers. So that's my final, my final, final plea for myself. I realize that my lack of linebackers is... An issue, and I probably should have just taken like Kalel Mullings and Jade McBurrows instead of two more quarterbacks. But I think the offense that I've constructed is pretty strong, especially vis-a-vis Dan's incredibly soft secondary. You did certainly make this more interesting because I got to be honest, I kind of thought Dan had lost this. Oh, right around his third pick. What was, but, what was wait? Which was it? Oh, Vincent. Yeah, Vincent Gray. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> But, it, I mean, it's it's tough because even though Connor has both, I would say, the higher t- talent defensive front and secondary, or, or defensive line, I should not say defensive front here, but uh, Aiden Hutchinson is included there, even though he's now probably technically a linebacker. He is, in all likelihood, the best player on the team this year. My worry is that that still doesn't necessarily make that defense particularly good. There are... I'm, I'm never going to run towards Aiden Hutchinson. Like, he's not... He'll see, he'll see the back end of plays. That's it. Yeah, because, I mean, Julius Welshoff's going to be out there. He's a little undersized for what you'd want for a 3-4 defensive end. And Connor is running a 3-4. That's bad news for Michigan this year, guys. <laughs> that's true. Sorry. Oh, it, no, it is. Um... <laughs> It is. Can I just say how funny it is like we've been we've like just trashed Don Brown for building a bad roster for so long, and like can we come out here and and just build the worst like the worst balanced rosters of all time? It's you know <laughs> they're with the pieces that Don Brown left over in large That's part. Fair. <laughs> That's fair. I'm trying to be nice here. And the the other issue I have with Connor's defense is yes, he does have the two best defensive backs, but after that, I'm not sure if any of the names matter. <laughs> Yeah, And as we have learned, 
it doesn't really matter if you have a couple competent defensive backs if the rest of your secondary is not good. So I still think, despite Dan Villari being the guy who's going to throw the ball, that Dan has a pretty good offensive philosophy for going up against Connor here because he has beef up front. I really like getting Filiaga and Rumbler late here to kind of add to that offensive line meet. And Stuber as an early pick, I, I thought was a nice pull. So because with Connor's size up front and lack of linebacker talent, I'm just, I don't know if he's going to be able to stop Dan's team without playing really heavy in the box. And that is going to open up. All Roman Wilson has to do is just run by somebody, and he is pretty darn good at that. And I think Dan Pilari can throw the ball far. So uh, I mean, far, yes, within five yards of Roman Wilson. Remains to be seen. We hope. We hope he can. <laughs> far enough and in the general vicinity. That's what we're hoping for here. Rocky Lombardi did it. That's all I'm going to say. And I, That's fair. It, yeah. Dan makes a strong argument there. The, the arguments for Connor... Uh, I would say are, I mean, he's going to have to get creative on offense, but there is some interesting possibilities there in terms of the versatility of Corum and Edwards, especially since both those guys can line up in the slot if you need them to. I will say, I mean, I, I want to hand, I think he would score it well. I just think like, I, I only have to. I think both stops. these teams are doing yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. No, I mean, look, I, Okay, well, let me ask you this: Would you would you say that I want if I'd picked uh, I don't know, Kalel Mullings and Jaden McBurrows instead of the two other quarterbacks? Would that have pushed me over the edge? Yes, I, I do think that would have oh, given man. Connor the edge of this one. <laughs> Oops. I have to say, I don't. I mean, I I do think the quarterback situation as a whole is probably going to be okay. I don't know if it's going to be anything much better than that at this point and well Connor may have nabbed the best quarterback with his third to last pick in the five-star JJ McCarthy or possibly with Alvin Bowman we really don't know except that the starting quarterback is almost certainly on Connor's team (laughs) (laughs) if not we're in big trouble (laughs) yeah you'd have to imagine (laughs) well look there's still time there's still time for for Milton to transfer back is all I'll say but anyway, yeah, no, wow, no, no, no. I'm kidding. He's he's a he's a Tennessee. Um, but but that that brings like the other problem I have with Connor's roster is that the offense just isn't able to be as versatile and diverse as Dan's, despite having more passing talent. Yeah, look, I mean, I think there's that, let's just say Connor, just for the sake of argument, let's say that he had drafted the the linebackers instead of taking the two quarterbacks because. I, I deserved what I got for being kind of like a little, you know, uh, a weasel in terms of like, oh, you can't take two quarterbacks. So I deserved that. That would have been my strategy, too. I, yeah. I, I thought that was valid. Um, let's let's say that Connor, you know, that, that Connor took the two linebackers. I do think that, you know, on offense, he's not going to be able to have a tight end out there. He's got two running backs on the field all, at all times with two receivers. And I guess what is it just two running backs and two receivers is what you and then what? Who else did you take? Yeah, I mean, I think the thing with Cora and Edwards is they can both credibly line up. They can even line up wide, depending on what you're doing. So, but yeah, that is that is those are the skill players I have. Gotcha. So yeah, I mean, I think look, I again, I think you're scoring it well. This, neither of these defenses are very good, but I think I at least 
I will get in the way enough that it or and create like one or two you know takeaways that I, I do think my team would ultimately win more games than not. I, I that's that's the last part because I just think it's such a mismatch in terms of my running game versus Connor's front. I mean, I think that's reasonable. I, I don't know. Like, the question I have is, like, what could be done to redress it? Because, for instance, I have three of the... We talked about this. I have three of the five linemen that, like, Michigan has on their entire team. And I have, uh, you know, the best edge guy. And you picked two linebackers. I mean, I could have added... I could have said Kalel Mullings, who will probably play some that I would have had Colson and Mullings. And, like, if the conclusion here is just that once Michael Barrett and Josh Ross are off the board, that there's no linebackers on this team. That might be true. And if so, that's <laughs> that's a grim... Yeah. But it's just like, it seems like, yeah. I mean, as an exercise in understanding Michigan's roster, you know, I mean, not not to belabor the point. We, we've, we've, I think we talked long enough about it, but it is, you know, it's it at a certain point, like, yeah, you did get more of the top-end talent of the, on the defensive line, and I don't think it would matter. I think, I, I think that, my my like kind of you know half of Michigan starting offensive line plus um, a moose back is is gonna run all over you and I think that's just that's I don't think there's necessarily anything you could have done to make it any better which is you know commentary we'll say on Michigan's uh, defensive front this year yeah that was that that was as we were walking into this I mean sort of what we were afraid of by by anticipation was that uh, this exercise would would largely go to show that they're are a huge number of question marks on the defensive side of the ball. And this very much bore that out. I mean, in part, I think I was even underestimating just how thin the situation is a linebacker, because I thought it was a smart move for Dan to pick two inside linebackers with his first two picks. I didn't necessarily think that would totally swing it at the end, but in addition to the more cohesive offensive philosophy, I would lean towards Dan's team winning. Think if Connor had drafted two linebackers or a linebacker and a tight end, it would have made things more interesting, especially since I, I do like Junior Colson quite a bit uh, as a prospect. But as we've said, uh, this is also an exercise that was meant to kind of show the strengths and limitations of Michigan's roster. And one of the limitations is just that the drop of a linebacker, at least in terms of proven players it's after two and that's that's rough and that that made this exercise rough but on the positive end i do think you know until we've got we've talked enough about the negative and i'll try to make this short since we've gone long here but uh i think connor and i both did get pretty passable offensive lines that you know even though the offensive line wasn't great last year a lot of people got to play and with a year of experience i think that they're going to have a good offensive line when they get the best five out there we got pretty passable receiving cores, um, even if, you know, mine is a little bit lacking in downfield targets. And we, uh, yeah, no, I would say generally, like, both passable offenses. You know, if, if I had ended up getting either Bowman or McCarthy, I think we both would have had offenses that wouldn't have looked, you know, that would have been like kind of a, maybe like a Rutgers-level offense, which, you know, you put two of those together, you have a, you have a, decent, a, a, a decent Big Ten offense. Yeah, one, one could argue it was even above that. Um, I, I, I cringed a little bit when you when you made Rutgers the specific example there. Hey, Rutgers, look, Rutgers is going to be decent this year. That's my. We'll save that take for later. But Rutgers is going to oh, be boy. decent this year. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I think I think this is all correct. I think that like this bears out what I happened when I did my roster analysis yesterday, which is that like when you go through Michigan's offense, tight end is a problem. 
nothing else is like an obvious like red flag among position groups. I know we all want to say quarterback's not going to be good because we're all unbelievably pessimistic at this point, but it's not on paper red flag. If you gave that quarterback room to Clemson, it would look, you know, wouldn't be look like they were in a title, but fine, you know. Anyway, this is a point for another time. But it is interesting to like go through the offense and be like, yeah, there's at least a lot of guys that have either contributed or have like superstar upside that are out there. And you go to the defense and it's like, all right, we have to hope that Mike McDonald isn't relying on linebackers the way that Don Brown did because we don't have any defensive line. Uh, we have five. Please, nobody get hurt. Please, all of you be good. Defensive back. Uh, yeah, similar. <laughs> like, that's just that's just the reality. Like, there's no getting around it. Defensive back is the one area where it's not just about depth. It's also about who's in the starting lineup, I would say. I, I guess a little bit along the defensive line, too. But at least there's more bodies uh, on defense that feel viable or at least have, like, gotten their feet wet a little bit out there on the field. And there was, I mean, in fairness to the secondary, there was also so much screwing around with what defense they were playing last year and uh, not having a safeties coach, <laughs> which is bad. Job uh, you should everybody. have one. <laughs> so, yeah, there are mitigating circumstances here that, that make this, especially with the shortened season last year, too, a, a more difficult exercise, I would say, than uh, it would even normally be. And as we mentioned at the top, unless you're rolling with in Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson type of too deep, it's it. And even then, you're going to have, you know, a few spots where you're going. I I I don't know about this. Now, does Michigan maybe have a few more of those spots than is ideal this year? Yes. Not not going to even try to equivocate on that one. Yes, it's it's a little worrisome, but at the very least. There are some interesting young pieces. There are a lot of interesting skill players. And hopefully a, a number of the young guys step up because uh, this is a young team that's uh, going to need it. But these rosters might be really interesting to look at like a year or two down the road as to where these guys would be, although obviously it would uh, thin out a little bit. But uh, unfortunately, we cannot do the sim to end version of the 2021 season we are in this together but uh i I would still say there there are reasons for optimism amongst all this uh you know roman wilson being one of the last picks in the draft some interesting defensive players like junior colson and rj moten really good athletes going late you got the five-star quarterback going maybe not uh where he should I was sick of the disrespect, Ace. <laughs> He's there. So, yeah, I mean, we got a couple worrisome spots in, in the secondary uh, and maybe a tight end if, if there isn't an emerging play. You know, Luke Schoonmaker could, could be a third-year breakout candidate. And maybe Matthew supposed to be uh, good. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Shoemaker's, Shoemaker's fine. Look, I mean, it's, it's, it's tight end. It's not. It's not the end of the world. I was a little surprised that the tight end disrespect extended to one is one team's last pick and the other team does not have one. Um. <laughs> oh, well, look. I, to, to be fair, that's that is honestly probably where I would play. Uh, where I would play uh, Alan Bowman. <laughs> so Alan Bowman okay. needs to be Connor's tight end. 
Um, he's a but, tough-minded kid. He's betting on himself. He's going to fight. It's, <laughs> it's the Jay Reimers transition. It's the Zach Gentry transition. Michigan has a history here. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Usually they're a little taller. <laughs> the, the reason for optimism here is that Michigan's going to play football this year in front of a full, a full big house, and that's going to be fun to watch. And, you know, the rest of it, let it fall as it may. I think that – I think you should just – I said this last year, and I said, you know, try to enjoy the season for what it is. And uh, it turned out that you couldn't because it was that bad. But I think this year is a year that you try to try to enjoy it for what it is. Last year was also eerie and didn't feel right. And this year will hopefully have significantly less of that, at least in terms of the just like, should this be happening factor? Uh, So... Although maybe we we haven't seen Ohio State's uh, receiving core against Dawkins uh, and Gray, and that, that's, that's a very should this be it? Like should this be allowed to happen? <laughs> should this be <laughs> so, happening. But True. Anyway, well, uh, enough enough jokes at Vincent Gray's expense. Yeah, maybe, maybe we can see if we can get the game canceled again. But <laughs> till then, uh, there are reasons for excitement. There are players we are excited to watch, and even if this team maybe you know it doesn't win a national championship or really compete for a playoff spot. There are reasons to expect that at the very least, this is going to be a much more enjoyable season than 2020 was. And we've got that going for us, which is nice. So thank you for listening to episode two of the bucket problem sponsored by Homefield apparel. Once again, you can use the promo code bucket problem for 15% off at homefieldapparel.com that is all for this week before I sign off I should remember to say that we have had some issues getting the podcast I'm saying we using the proverbial we as if this is all not entirely my responsibility the Apple podcast portal is a bit of a disaster at this point uh, if you're a podcast producer I'm doing my best to get it on there because that is also a way that a lot of podcast players uh, index their catalogs. It, that includes Overcast, which is the player I use. So I'm working on that. It is on Spotify. It is, I know, up on Google Podcasts and hopefully working on there. Uh, it is on Stitcher. Same deal there. There are links to the feed, which is a way that you can insert it directly into your podcast player manually and links to a way you can play the podcast in your browser that I will include in the show notes and definitely on the bucketproblem.com, which thank you. We have already hit 600 email signups, which is awesome for being launched all of a day. I really appreciate all the support that has come through so far. And I really look forward to continuing to create content both with my friends here and for all of you so that's it for episode two now for real thank you for listening buy some shirts have a good one